Today, Sally's going to give us the benefit of her, her recent trip to Western Australia, pretty well straight off the plane. And, of course, with the Olympics in our minds at the moment, she's going to be thinking about Japan. To NURFM, we are talking travel. Sally Lucas, fresh back from Western Australia. And you found some nice things to think about if we're going to Perth. I did, Jane. And I thought I might just start today because everyone might be a bit concerned about air travel and domestically and how it's working. Um, so they do prefer you to check in online if at all possible. Um, so there's less staff at the airport, but there are still staff there to assist you. Um, so checking in online 48 hours, you do have to get your G2G, which is good to go pass, which you must do, you know, at least. 48 hours or if not earlier prior to your entry into WA and you then I can have it digitally on your phone or printed off and that is checked on arrival and your temperature is checked on arrival as well. So you do still need a pass? A pass, yes, a travel pass. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the plane, of course, it's and the airport is mandatory wearing of masks, of course, uh, trying to maintain social distancing at the airport. Um, The airport is still not busy like it used to be. A lot of the outlets everywhere are still not not open shops, you know, there's minimal um, stuff open. Um, you won't get a meal on a plane. Um, you will get the offer of a water or a juice and a little pack of snack, like crisp, a little, you know, um, crackers or sealed. yeah, mm-hmm. something that's sealed. And so you, but you can take food on yourself. So if you want to take on your own water or your own sandwich or something like that, that's that's fine. So just thought I'd mention that. Um, coming home, I was pleasantly surprised the plane was almost full. You know, probably about 85 percent going over a bit less so people are travelling again. Um, and I So think is it necessary if you're coming from Western Australia to get a pass to no. come to New South Wales? No, okay. uh, we're fine here. We, we welcome just about everybody, I think, at the moment. Um, so that's all good. But, yes, we hadn't um, been, of course, back across to Perth for, for quite some time. And since we went last time, our son and his fiance have moved into the Perth Hills. So we've never spent much time there. And what a pretty part of Perth that is if you've never done it. And it's only half an hour from the city. So we explored lots of areas and also a bit further inland to the farming areas and one of the oldest towns in Australia, Tujie, um, Northam and York. So we spent some time there. Those poor people had had a deluge 113 millimetres overnight everything was just flattened you know you could see the deluge of water across and all the debris on the road so they've gone from having this extreme hot summer to having a deluge this is Australia isn't it I love a sunburned country, country. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, but, but that was yeah and that was an interesting drive that we spent all day pottering around that area um, then we went in which the guys hadn't done before briefly but not in depth into the Bickley Valley. What a pretty valley. Um, where 2J Northam York is, it's called the, I would call it the Avon Valley. For some unknown reason, WA Sandgropers pronounce it Avon. Um, anyway, it's Avon. And this is, of course, the Bickley Valley and Pippering Brook. What a pretty, pretty area. It's just lush, full of orchards. It's a real fruit bowl. You've got cider you know, locations where they're making beautiful fresh apple cider, some lovely little vineyards. Like you only hear of Margaret River and Swan Valley here. And we said that to them. She said, don't worry, most of Perth people don't even know we're here. (laughs) There was a lovely French restaurant we didn't get to. It was recommended called Mistel. We went to this beautiful Italian restaurant called Fattoria, which means Il Fattoria, which means the farm. And 
you know, the workers or the, the owners run run the restaurant and it only just opened, would you believe, the day we went, how lucky we there, just reopened. And they have this wonderful tasting plate, just a fantastic way of doing things, and you can just select what you want. Of the t- not, you know, you usually get one, it's just whatever you get. But this you can say, oh, no, I'd like to have the Fremantle pickled octopus and I might have this and I might have that. You know, it's really so well done and they make a lot of their own produce and get this beautiful olive oil. The service was astounding and we went to some tea rooms, a little place called Carmel, which was lovely, but just such a picturesque valley. It was really, really beautiful. So there's so much you can do in and around Perth. We didn't even actually go into the city. You know, we just did things in and around Perth this time. So you can certainly plan quite a long stay there quite easily before you even start going further afield. (laughs) So that's exactly (laughs) what you've been bringing us. That's the gem area around Perth. Perth. That's great. Yes, absolutely. Now, we're going to head off a little bit internationally, aren't we, in just a moment? And I thought it was quite an interesting article I was reading um, by one of the cruise companies explaining why Japan... Japan is such an important place to discover by sea and for what reasons. So Mm. I thought we would talk about that. Sally Lucas and I, we are talking travel. Of course, um, now it's not the Olympics you're going to be talking about because at this stage we don't know whether overseas visitors are going to be allowed and that's changing day by day, but they're hoping to make a decision in Japan by the 25th of this month when the torch relay is due to begin. But there are other ways of looking at Japan. There certainly are, Jane. And I just thought this was a very interesting article I was reading about Japan in particular. And it's um, discussing how in 1600, an Englishman went to Japan and became a samurai. And James Clavell read in his daughter's history textbook, he read about that. And that one sentence sent into the motion his best-selling novel, Shogun, of course, which went on to be miniseries and all that sort of thing. But Japan's ancient traditions, um, appreciation for nature, form and balance have intrigued what they call geijin or non-Japanese people the world over for centuries. And, of course, it was greatly magnified by the country's isolationist policy during the Shogun era from the early 17th to the mid-19th century. The interest in all things Japanese swept the world when Commodore Matthew Perry finally opened the country to international trade in 1854. And according to him and other explorers, an English explorer of that time, William Adams, says that it is best explored by sea. By they sea. Consider. <laughs> so... Um, you're not only getting into Tokyo and, of course, such a high-energy city, that is, and the Ginza district to the serene hilltop Himeji Castle, but you get to remote coral beaches of the islands, wide-ranging attractions, uh, far-flung atolls, forested lakes. If you ever get a chance to Google Japan and its outer islands, it's amazing, some of the beautiful islands and beaches. You don't think of Japan and beaches doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. You know, it goes more culture, art form, origami, you know, martial arts, sumo, Tradition, food, yeah. food, um, you know, lots of things, um, skiing. and But, you know, not so much the, the actual um, the, Be- the, um, beach, beach culture. No, <laughs> but you get it. But aboard ship, you cover a lot more ground. In just over two weeks, of course, they're going all around this 1,500-mile nation, which spans four main islands and, and just under 7,000 smaller islands. So you don't realise how many islands there are in Japan either. So they, um, they visit my expedition ship that we're talking about here, which is Lindblad, who do all of these expedition ex- exploratory voyages. And they have direct access to less visited locations, not well connected 
to public transportation that you, as we've said before, that's what expedition vessels do, get you to places you can't get to by any other means. So you get into places that have picturesque castles like the towns of Haji and Matsui on the Sea of Japan. So it's it's definitely um, more efficient, they say, by ship, allowing opportunities to visit Naoshima, which is a cutting-edge art island, the enchanted rainforest on Yakushima Island, and amazing dive sites on the tiny remote islands of Miyako and Yayama Islands. So they've got a couple of um, different lovely itineraries called Imperial Dynasties and Modern Culture, um, which is doing the uh, the remains of the ancient capital of the Silla Kingdom in South Korea as well, while the other one's called Sailing the um, East China Sea, which ends up with time to explore Taiwan's um, impressive rather seaside gardens and unique water geological formations, etc., and the cultural treasures of Taipei. So, yes, consider that if you're going to Japan. If you're doing a cruise, you can just really just kick back, relax, look at the wonderful things you're going to see. Um, you get lots of blue striped snapper off the coast of Okinawa Island and the Karama Islands is home to 250 kinds of coral. And they have they get new corals, new species even occurring there, which is quite remarkable. And three species of sea turtles are also in that area, as well as manta rays. Of course, the manatee, the exclusive uh, dugong, can sometimes also be spotted in the seagrass there as well. So, yes, that's another way of thinking of Japan, is thinking of the ocean, which it's surrounded by, like we are. And as we all know, there are wonderful, diverse things to be found in our surrounding oceans. So consider that as a possibility when you're going to Japan. You might even see some seaweed. You might in indeed. In its original habitat. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that we all love that these days. Isn't it funny? We you wouldn't, wouldn't have thought we'd have ever been eating seaweed, but we do. And they tell us it's good for us. <laughs> yes. Not probably thanks to the Japanese. And the Okinawans who live such an old age. Who and you RFM. Sally Lucas and I are talking travel. And, uh, well, we do have some hot deals. We have a few bits and pieces here, Jane, and uh, we were just, she thought I said something funny off air, but I said, enrich your world. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's what I was going to say. We're uh, going to enrich your, your world, your world too. to do. That's what we <laughs> yes. want to do. Um, we have been talking small expedition ship cruising, and of course, we have the perfect place for that in our Kimberley Coast region and also around Tasmania. We do quite a lot of, um, you know, really wonderful uh, expedition cruising in those areas now. And we're fortunate now, I guess, because of COVID, we're getting ships out here that weren't necessarily planned to come here. So we've got Scenic Eclipse that was only built about a year ago, a bit over a year ago, and it's coming out to do Kimberley season exclusively from June to August this year. And, of course, it's it's an Australian-owned company, which is a wonderful thing as well to have it out here doing a cruise of the Kimberley. So just consider that. They've got an exclusive season there. Savings of up to cent on early bird offers, which I think go through till about the end of March on 11-day cruises like Darwin to Broome or Broome to Darwin. So, yes, just consider that because it's really the most beautiful vessel, absolutely stunning, with, you know, things included like, you know, your helicopter flights, etc., over the waterfalls, etc. And also you've got the other Australian company, Australian Pacific Touring. They're also doing small ship expedition cruising out here as well, around a whole range of areas like Cape York and the Great Barrier Reef, the Grand Kimberley Coast, and also, I've mentioned before, around Tasmania as well. So we've got a lot of wonderful cruise options available to us. And, of course, as you've probably heard announced in the last 24 hours or so,
So there are some cheap airfares available out there as well if you can take advantage of those. I think they go from about May to September. And, yeah, uh, and you can't get them before April, I Purchase from, from 1 April? Between April and May June or, or July. Yes, yes I haven't got like the that. exact info yep. on that, having only got back last night, but I've just been briefly getting information. So I, I think they might be adding some more destinations too. Well, there's only 13 on. at the moment. No, 15, I heard. 15 this now. Morning. Yes. So well, it was, a, it was it 13 in the Sydney Morning Herald, but maybe that was like, you know, it's in Would have been printed print, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, of <laughs> yes. course. That was yesterday's news. Yesterday's news. Well, see, I'm only up to date with yesterday's news, so that's okay. Yeah. And also, the other cruise ship, I forgot to mention that all the other cruise company that go up there is Ponon, the French company, of course. So they're doing some wonderful cruise options with, with what they do with their cruising, all their cruising options, by the way, is they start, if you book in early enough, you get 30% off. Once they sell, they have so many cabins they allocate to be sold at 30, then it goes down to 25, then to 20, and so on. But you'll always get at least 10% off. Um, so it's a good way of, if you're the earlier the book, the more you save. So okay. just take that into consideration. Um, of course, Tassie. We all love Tassie, don't mm, we? We do. How about Chase the Southern Lights this winter? You can do that. One of the Aurora Australis, one of Australia's most beautiful spectacles. Um, and then you can go down now by driving your own car and getting your car for free when you go on the Spirit of Tasmania. Mm-hmm. So why not do that? Um, we have also mentioned recently, Jane, that you can go from Perth across to the Cocos and Keeling Islands and Christmas Islands. There are some wonderful packages out of Perth to there that finish on the 31st of March, different seven-night packages with lots of inclusions. And South Australia, there's some lovely wine and dine packages available there till the end of March as well. So if you pick up a nice cheap airfare to Adelaide, they've got lots of lovely four-night and two-night packages doing the Barossa Valley and McLaren Vale or Adelaide Indulgence as well with markets. And Tasmania, as we mentioned before, too, with Coral Expeditions, they've got a 10-night Hobart to Hobart cruise in January, February next year with special offers again if you book by the end of March and you get one free night pre-cruise at the Mantra on Collins in um, Hobart in a Queen Room. So, look, there's lots of offers out there at the moment for you, so just take advantage of them when you can. They've all got flexible, as we keep mentioning. Most of these have got flexible options of, you know, know changing dates if things don't happen the way they should happen airfares are more flexible etc etc so yep there's still lots out there for you to really plan a nice little getaway and discover our own country which is beautiful (laughs) which is beautiful thank you sally lucas thanks jane and we'll talk travel again next friday after the one o'clock news on 2nurfm Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.